being around sports media and a fan of oh my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in LA, and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will probably open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment for the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. We had to go do a, we had a meeting because there was talk of, he liked My Name is Earl, he had worked with Michael Malley on something before, and the talk was Michael Malley and I would write this thing together. So we all went to dinner at the Beverly Hills Hotel. And right away, he just comes in and he's laughing and we're making jokes. He said, I, he, he said to me, he goes, I hope, I hope you guys weren't waiting too long. He's a little late. And I said, well, I've been in the parking lot for three hours. He said, what? I said, well, I don't go to Buffett without tailgating first. <laughs> this is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. That was just lovely. Having Greg on, because Greg had worked with Jimmy Buffett um, and knew him very well. I, I just... That was just lovely. I was so happy about that. I told a lot of people, just listen. You don't have to listen to all of it. You know, just listen to this. You don't have to listen to me. Listen to Greg. It was very lovely. All right. Um, I had problems with Cigna yesterday. I got a note from Cigna. Michael, you don't know this. Cigna denied my MRI. The MRI that I've already had. Cigna denied that they would pay for the MRI. Cigna, as we know, which stands for calculated indifference, gives no aid. They're the worst <laughs> medical insurance company in the history of medical insurance. ProPublica did a big story on them some months back, just destroying them. You'd think that they'd be a little bit better about this. They just said, we don't think that the course of treatment merits getting an MRI. Did it seem like a personal response, or is this just like a blanket statement? We're going to deny, deny, deny until you just... I don't know. I mean, they listed the name of a doctor who took responsibility for it. I'm not going to mention his name on the air today. I'm not going to do that. That's a tease for Friday. But I'm just going to say this. I had an MRI done on my right ankle. My right ankle has been swollen and swelling for four or five years. You can go back in my medical history, you can see this. Three or four different times, I have taken that, that treatment where they look at your leg to see if there are any blood clots, you know, the hot oil, tr- I don't know the name of it, 
but it's a treatment that is, you know, given so that to find out, is there clotting there? Is there something dangerous there? And the ankle still swells and it swells again for years. There's and a, when you were younger, you had a history, history of uh, broken ankles, right? Yes. And so I have a history of this. And my doctor did say, we need to get an MRI. We need to see if there's a tear. We need to see definitively what is wrong there. This isn't something that I was walking on the street and somebody pulled me in off the street and said, let's give your ankle an MR. It's not that. There's a history of years here, years of specific treatment of this malady. And so Cigna, you know, just no, no. Well, I'm hoping that will be reversed. I'm hoping that will be reversed. Sometimes yeah, it yeah, but, is reversed. But at what cost to you? And again, you have the ability to fight this because you have uh, you know, employment that lets you take right. an hour out of your day That's to right. be on the phone making the complaint. No, I can do that. You know, you're 100% right. I can do that. You know, but I also am eligible for Medicare and Medicaid, and this would be covered. This would be an automatic on Medicare and Medicaid. They would just say, of course. Of course, you're an old man with a persistent condition, let's analyze it. Okay, so I just want to say that. It's continuing with my medical theme. Is this a different doctor now? No, now we're moving out of doctors into something else. We're moving to uh, pharmacists. I had read a story three or four days ago that people my age should get three things done within the next four to six weeks. They should get a flu shot, which is an annual thing. They should get the RSV um, vaccine, and they should get the new COVID vaccine, which is coming out middle of September. But wait for the new one. Yes, wait for the new one. Don't get what's laying around on the clearance rack. <laughs> don't get that. Don't get one that's old, you know, day-old so bread. Sale. Yeah, don't get that. So I did some calling around. I called uh, the CVS at the Target in Washington, There's only DC. one person to call. Well, I yeah. called yeah. Uh, for Evelyn, but Emily was there. And I dealt with Emily as well. Emily remembered me, sure. And I said, what about the RSV? And she said, the District of Columbia has not yet authorized that vaccine. Um, it is authorized in Maryland, but it's not in D.C. So I said, okay, thanks. And I called up Brookville Pharmacy. They didn't have it. But they also said that it costs a lot of money, like hundreds of dollars, to get this. Now, I can afford this. No one has to throw a benefit for me. But people, you know, the average person, that puts them in a certain amount of jeopardy to have to, to, have to choose between their health and their pocketbooks. So I always think that these vaccines... After our experience with the captain with RSV it. last October, where it lasted for weeks, yes. and you were waking up with the coughing in the middle of the night with him, pay whatever it costs. I, well, I can, but others maybe can't. And so anyway, that wasn't available to me. And that left me... And so the, and I knew that the, the new COVID vaccine was not available yet, because everybody has said that's going to be like in the middle to the end of the month of September. And of course I will get that. So because I had thought so much about vaccines for, hey, you're for two. 20 minutes, I called Emily back and I said, how about that flu shot? And she said, I can give you the flu shot. I said, I'll be there in 15 minutes. So I got the flu shot with a lovely little CVS band aid that they give you red and white one. Very nice. 
So I got What's so that. great about this is you're willing to take any shot yes. that is available to you. Yes. Yeah. What else you got, Doc? Yes. Yeah. So I would have taken it. two for one. So that's where <laughs> I am now. I'm waiting to see if I have a reaction to the flu shot. I never have in the past, and I didn't this morning. So, so the problem with the flu shot, right, is it's sort of a guess based on what they've yes. seen halfway around the world. Right. Last, is this yes. going to be the one that yes. works? Yes. So, um, and also my theory is, and I did speak to a doctor about this who said that I was okay to do it this way. Line them up and take them, you know, give it 10 days to two weeks between vaccines oh, sure. so that they grow in your body in the correct way and they max out in the correct way. You're giving a very That's just a very look. weird way to phrase that. Grow in your body? You're just going to develop yeah. some antibodies. Yeah, but I mean, that's what's happening, right? They inject okay. live stuff and they see how it what's goes. What's so great is if you get sick in the next month, you're not going to know where it's from. No, I don't have any idea. <laughs> um, watch the Nats last night. Patrick Corbin gave up four in the first, four in the first, seven runs by the third and eight Oof. by the fourth. I got to your house. What's the point? At 7.08. <laughs> yeah. What's the point? Uh, to put up yellow jacket traps. You yes. walk out. I tried to be, I tried to go unnoticed. I know you, you and uh, mom were sitting down to dinner. Yeah. You come out to tell me he'd already given up a home run. <laughs> it just, it just, he's no, you know, he's honorable. <laughs> He Charlie tries and Dave to earn are the still money. doing the, uh, the, uh, the reads before the game. He tries to earn the money. He goes out yeah. there. He gives it his all. He doesn't have much left. At least Dom Smith didn't play, so I, you know. He needs to rest. He has, <laughs> yeah. a, he's got, he has such a yeah. big yeah. weekend on getting RBIs in games that they lost. So then, you know, and, and then there was tennis. Um, I had watched a lot in the afternoon. I'd watched Coco Goff. Coco Goff won in 10 minutes. Yeah, I have no did. idea who the woman was who she played. That first set was done in 10 minutes. <laughs> it was, it was a 6 0. It was nothing. Yeah. It was, it was like just a lunch absolutely yeah. nothing. So Coco Goff moves on. And then Djokovic played Taylor Fritz. Taylor Fritz is allegedly the best American player by ranking over three or four last three of the four last years or something like that. He's never won a major. He's never been in a final in a major. Maybe he's been in a semifinal. I don't know that. He's an no, unknown guy he has. To me. Huh? He has? No, I don't believe he has been okay. in a semifinal. So he's an unknown person to me. And Djokovic, I hate Djokovic. I hate everything about him. I hate the slow play on the serve. I hate all the psychological little tricks he plays. Well, I hate he, won, he won the crowd yesterday. I, yeah, and I hate singing the song. Yes, I hate him. <laughs> Got to fight for your right. He but he's body. very good. He's yeah. very good. He's great. Okay. <laughs> there came a point in the match where Taylor Fritz finally, after 80 tries at a break point, he had 80 shots at it. And he never got him. He had him at love and he never won him. And he broke to 4-4 in the third set. He's down two sets. He's not going to win. But if you win the third set, there's always a chance. He breaks to 4-4. Djokovic comes right back. Right back. Next game at 15. Breaks him back. 5-4 serves for the match. Yeah. So that was that in the afternoon. Those were quick. And then I wanted to watch Tiafo and Shelton at night. When did it start, Nigel? When did it start? I want to say like maybe 9.30. Yeah, about 9.30. It's too late. We got to yeah. the second set at about 10.15. It's too late for me. Yeah. It's too late for an East Coast audience on a weeknight. It's too late. Why? I don't know why. I don't know why they don't say this is our feature match. We're going off at 8 o'clock. Yeah. Come hell or high water, we're going off at 8 o'clock. 
We'll move somebody from the center court outside. But we're going to put this match. Anyway, so I didn't do that. So I didn't find out who won until this morning. And Tiafa lost to Shelton. Shelton's young. Shelton's 20. Shelton's maybe on that breakthrough stage. Don't know that. His dad, I believe his dad is a college tennis coach who was a former tennis pro who won two national championships with his teams. Um, and this is his son who's 20 years old. And he beat Tiafo. Tiafo's got that one great win. He's got Nadal, 80-year-old Nadal. But he won. And it was a great match. And everybody loves Francis Tiafo, particularly where I live in Washington, D.C. And he's a wonderful kid. I just don't know that it's ever going to happen for him. He's 25 years old. Tennis breakthroughs are earlier than that. I compare him to Jessica Pagula, Hmm. who's always seated high and never gets to the finals, never wins in majors, doesn't. She just doesn't. And she's 29. Everybody loves her. Everybody loves Tiafo. I think that I think breakthroughs happen earlier than that. Look at Alcaraz. Look at McEnroe, Connors when they were kids, Sampras. It yeah. happens earlier than that. Federer, Nadal, they weren't 25 or 26 or 29 when they broke through. Djokovic, am I right on this, Nigel? I'm right on this. You're right, yeah. I mean, They're younger. Yeah. They're in their late teens or early 20s. That, I mean, and they he, give you the song. So, so the easy comparison is you look at Tiger at his height and you look at an, an entire generation where they didn't get that early breakthrough. And the difference here is based on where you're seated in, in, in sort of the draw, you either get to this in the quarters of the semis and it's just so hard to get that breakthrough, which is why, uh, you know, last year's match against Nadal was so, such a big deal for Tiago. It was Tiafa. great. Yeah, and he's so twenty-five great years old. Talking last, about tennis. last night, he looked old all of a sudden, yeah. just when compared to a twenty-year-old kid who just Which, ran around for everything with a yeah. rocket serve. He's a great yeah. athlete, Shelton. He, he kills, <laughs> and, just, and it's a different style. Yeah. Where he's okay giving up double faults here and there. He's okay going down, uh, you know, thirty love on his own serve, just because he knows that it's such an asset. He's going to get it back. So we have all of these Americans, five or six Americans, who are sort of bubbling around the top ten or top. 15 or top 20. And Nigel, you know more about tennis than I, but it looks like Shelton is the one, doesn't it? it sh- I mean, I wouldn't have said it before the match. I thought Tiafo would win last night. I thought, well, he's been right. here before and, and he's, he's super right. talented. I thought but, he'd win too. But when you watch Shelton, and I, I don't want to be a, a victim of the moment, he was so impressive, as Michael said. I mean, he's just bombs with serves. I mean, he's serving like 149 miles an hour and just these cannon shots with his forehand. He... he he looks very much like the real deal. And, and you're right, at 20, because he's, he's still got time to learn. He's still in the upward arc of learning, you know, getting his tennis IQ up there. So, yeah, I, I would, I would, if I was making a futures bet, I would definitely put it on Shelton. And yeah. with, with tennis IQ, he was so well-spoken in a match or two before this in terms of what he has a chance to do when you think about younger kids watching tennis and you think about the shame of when that match starts so late is the doing? importance of having Tiafo and Shelton Two black American men playing on that court. On and Arthur can't, can't court. watch it till 930. Yeah. Yeah, I'm serious. Yeah. Kick no. people off the court <laughs> and put them on at a reasonable hour for the East Coast audience in the United States. It's a treat. That's a treat match. And, yeah. you know, starts too late. Mistake on my. It just it has it has the sounds at the end of summer. You see, you know, you see it's unbelievably hot and humid. But when you're at home watching, you just start to hear the crickets in the background. I will tell you that um, that was an event I covered many times in my life. And when the event started, 
it would always be sweltering hot. And by the end of the second week, you were wearing a sweater in the press box. Yes. Now, I don't know that that will happen at, by the end of this week because there's an unusual heat bubble over the eastern United States. But I know very well, because I remember the great Neil Amdur, Amduro of the New York Times, different sweater every single day for the last eight days of the tournament. <laughs> different color sweater, Neil Amdur. We'll take a break. Chuck Todd will join us. We're back in the swing of things with football. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is from our favorite rabbi, Misha Ben David, who writes, here are two songs, well, this is the first of the two, from an aborted album project with a former performing partner. Now we're even and fine, fine day. I wrote both of these for someone from decades in my past. I hope she's a little, but I doubt it. My new band is called High Desert. We will be appearing in Austin, Texas on October 14th at the Carousel Lounge. And at 7 p.m., we'll be previewing new material from an album we will be recording later this year. They don't make rabbis like this when I was a kid. This is great. It's called Now We're Even and plays in Chuck Todd. And before Chuck talks, I'm going to explain to people what I do whenever I watch the Nats. When I'm particularly frustrated about the Nats is I immediately text Chuck Todd, which I did early in the day in early in the game because Patrick Corbin was on the mound and there were two on and one out in the first inning. And I said, how many runs do you think Patrick Corbin will give up? And I waited for the end of the inning and the answer was four. I got no response from Chuck. I started talking about Patrick Corbin giving up five and six and seven runs and I got no response. I went on and on and on, got no response until this morning. What were you doing? Where were you? Well, I'm uh, I'm I'm out west this morning. I'm doing a doing an interview for the show on Sunday, and uh, okay, you know, was on a was on a late flight and was watching the updates, but uh, I I felt that I wasn't there to feel your pain. But it was Patrick Corbin Day, which is <laughs> oh. always a big day in the gambling oh. community. Oh. Big day in the gambling community because you know you get it's just free money. It's just the unbelievable. Over, I think he hits the over on the first five, like, you know, 70% of the time. It's simply unbelievable. And you say to yourself, now after four, they took him out. The Nats broadcast somehow was commandeered by somebody with a very weird sense of humor. Because after three innings, even though he'd given up seven or whatever it was at that point, they talked about how Patrick Corbin had the second most consecutive starts in a row of going at least five innings. And I thought, yeah, that's because Davey just leaves him in there to fry. I mean, just, you know, take him out. I love him. He takes the ball every five days. I guess you've yes, got to admire does. that. 
I do. I do admire that. He's honorable. He's trying to earn the money. But I feel so bad. He got lit up last night. I mean, gave up every every start. There's always. It's usually the first, but it's usually one of the first beatings. No, it's just, and that's why they call it Patrick Corbin Day, and it's always a bet the over situation. All right, Chuck is going to pick games for us. Seven games a week. We're very happy about that. Have no idea what your record was last year. Doesn't matter. It was last year. Now it's this year. You ready to go? There it is. It's winning enough. Let's roll. All right. Detroit opens at Kansas City. Kansas City, the defending Super Bowl champions. There is some question as to whether Travis Kelsey will play. So Detroit was getting six and a half as late as yesterday and is now getting five. Detroit is a very exciting team, and if memory serves me correctly, Kansas City doesn't care about covering. They really, it doesn't seem to matter to them which way you're going in this one. They don't, but this is one of those, this is one of those, uh, Cases where the second you go against Mahomes, you're like, why did I do that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, what am I doing? I, good for Detroit that they get to be the opening night, right? When do they ever, yes. you know, yes. they're the game stuck with on Thanksgiving. You're never looking forward to it. So good, good on them. Um, I'm not ready to buy into the hype uh, that they're, they're, they're suddenly going to be the, the, the sleeper NFC team, but. And I'm not betting against Mahomes. So um, take Kansas City fact, give five. I like the five. I'm glad it it moved down. I mean, I don't. Okay. Think, I mean, Mahomes can. He didn't have Tariq Hill last year. But he's like, oh my God, what's Mahomes going to do? All right. Do we really think he's going to be he's going to be uh, sudden somehow? Up Kelsey? I don't think so. No, he's got other things. Green Bay is plus one at Chicago. This is perhaps the dawn of a new era in that particular division. Wilbon loves Justin Fields. Wilbon loves Chicago. Green Bay is without Aaron Rodgers physically and mentally for the first time in a while. Green Bay is getting one at Chicago. What do you think? It's a big tone setter for Jordan Love. You know, the first four games for the Packers are the easiest for their schedule. And this is, so it's, this is one of those things. We're going to know the answer on Jordan Love, whether he's the guy through the first four weeks. Either the Packers are 3-1 and one or 4-0, and, oh, and you're like, okay, this system works. This is Shanahan. This is a Shanahan protege in the floor, all that stuff. Or he goes and lays an egg against the, the chief rival, the Bears. And, of course, yeah. you know, the Packers-Bear rivalry is a rivalry, as far as I'm concerned, is sort of one way, right? It's a rivalry because the NFL says it is. But if you look at, you know, the Bears never seem to beat the Packers. At least that's when Aaron Rodgers was. There. He says so, I own him. He says I own them. Sure, right. He's gone. So now but- Jordan's got to got to figure out if he owns them. Uh, and I don't, I don't believe in Fields. I think Fields had the lowest completion percentage of any starting quarterback in the NFL last year. Does that sound right? Maybe he's a great runner. He's an exciting yeah. player. But Ohio State quarterbacks fail all the time in the pros. Yeah, is there one that succeeded? No, not Ohio Who's State. The, is it like Arch Schleister? Schleister is one. You know, they yeah. got a yeah. They, How's that for a throwback? Okay. Yeah. So you're going to take Green Bay? Green Bay. Okay. They're going to get points. This will look weird that they got points in this game when we look backwards, I think. Green Bay getting one. Dallas Mm -hmm. is at the New York Giants. Dallas is minus three and a half at the New York Giants. Giants were a playoff team last year. Dallas is the favorite, is a road favorite. It sort of surprised me. Who you like in this game? 
you know, this is one of those you'd rather have Dayball as your coach than McCarthy, but you'd rather have McCarthy's talent than Dayball's talent, right? Right, right. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm not a, I think I'm going to regret betting against Dayball here, but I just, I, I feel like that was smoke and mirrors last year. And, and I, did they improve that much on offense? No, you have to believe and in Saquon Daniel Barkley's Jones. not happy. You know, it's yeah. not happening. Right. What running back is? Right. Is so there a happy running back in the NFL? You're going to give three and a half and take Dallas. I'll give, I'll take Dallas and give the three. Okay. San Francisco is at Pittsburgh. San Francisco is minus two and a half. I'm a little bit surprised it's only minus two and a half. Maybe Pittsburgh is a lot better than I think. Maybe that quarterback is a lot better than I think. Who do you like in this game? I think there's a couple other things going on here, Tony. I think nobody's quite sure how healthy Brock Purdy will be in game one. Right, right. You have that. Um, Plus, it is San Francisco, you know, they got off to a really bad start last year, too, uh, when they weren't sure of their quarterback situation. Uh, I like Pittsburgh here. This is one of those games where I think San Francisco is going to be everything everybody thinks they're going to be. But this week is the most vulnerable they are. Okay. Um, so they also you have a Bosa situation, right? It's not clear he's going to play. He's always hurt. Uh, yeah. He's always uh, hurt. So, well, if he's not hurt, there's usually a Watt that's hurt, right? Yeah, that's Watts and Bosa's always get hurt. Yeah. Right, exactly. Um, so I like Pittsburgh here, I think, okay. in, a, in, a, in an early upset that, uh, makes people pay a little more attention to the Steelers. We will stay in that division with Cincinnati at Cleveland, a division opener. Cincinnati is minus two and a half. And I'm assuming they're only minus two and a half because there is some question as to how healthy Joe Burrow is. Because if Joe Burrow was completely healthy, this would be double that at least, right? Are you sure? What do we know about Cleveland? I, this, game's, this, game's I to me, this game to me is, is unbettable. Because I have no idea what I'm getting out of Deshaun Watson. Do you? No, no, no. Right, and, and so this is one of those you feel like I got to watch this. I want to see. He was terrible last year. Now he's got a full off season. What are all those things? Cleveland's roster is fantastic. This division could be amazing. By the way, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Baltimore, Pittsburgh. Yeah, all four of them could have winning records. This is gonna this this this. But I. Uh, I have no idea what I'm getting out of Cleveland. Um, so I'm going to take them early only because if I recall, I believe Cincinnati has started 0-2 the last two years in a row. Does that sound right? Maybe. Or something, it's something maybe. like that. Yeah. Yeah. They got off to a slow start last year, too. Okay. Uh, and I think same reason. Didn't he have appendicitis last year? He, he gets slow. Something yeah. happens. It's not critical. It's not one of those things that puts him out for eight weeks. It's not. But something happens that seems to stop him from being at max. uh, Because at max, he's one of the three best quarterbacks in the league. He is. Okay, so you'll take Cleveland and Pittsburgh. They're close together. Arizona is getting seven at Washington. Washington. Washington (laughs) is a seven-point favorite at home. Washington? Because why? Because they have a new owner? No, really? this is about Arizona, man. Arizona they're stinks. Terrible, terrible. Can you name who's starting? Who their starting quarterback is? I cannot. I know that Kyler Murray is out, and I know that Colt McCoy was cut. Yeah, I think it's Josh Dobbs. Nigel might want to check me on that. I don't know who that or is. Reg- Reginald will know because you know he's much, much more, <laughs> much more <laughs> yeah. into this uh, on this front. 
I look, this is this is the if Washington doesn't win this game, there's going to be real That's problems because right. then right. you're going to wonder if they can win any game. Uh, no, I think this will be just the opposite. They win this game comfortably, and Washington fans, um, shall we say, get a little uh, get a little overly fired up. Um, right. Beating Arizona won't be won't won't be a, a big deal come the end of the year. The give last me, game, give me the Washington. Yeah. Okay, the last game we give you is Buffalo and the New York Jets. <laughs> And the most exciting team in the preseason is the New York Jets because of Aaron Rodgers. Buffalo has been very good for three or four years, but has not yet cracked through with Josh Allen, who everybody would take in a heartbeat behind Mahomes, but you would take him because he's really, really good. Buffalo at the Jets. Buffalo minus two and a half. This is a game, this is going to get a high number. This is a really yeah. good opening Monday night game. really is. Who you like? Uh, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm struggling with this. I, I do worry about the Jets' uh, ability to block uh, their offensive line. That seems to be the question mark on that team. How fast can they get the ball out of his hands? Is he going to sit on it? Um, Jets have a tough opening four weeks. As, as easy as the Packers had, it's as hard as, as Aaron Rodgers has here. You know, my heart wants to root for Buffalo because as a Packer fan, I'm, I, I, I want nothing but suffering um, with, with, with everything there. But um, my head says Aaron Rodgers on week one. <coughs> Excuse me. This is interesting to me in this regard. If Aaron Rodgers loses game one, I just think everybody thinks of him as a balloon that is flying away untethered. (laughs) I think there's enormous pressure on him and that team at home to win this game. I think it's almost like, you know, it's almost like a referendum on everything they've done in game one, which is crazy because there's 16 more games. But I I think it's a big one. I do. You do too. I I, I don't Big disagree. I, I do. Too. I think they're throwing everything they got at it. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, I, I've enjoyed this Aaron Rodgers in New York City, but what happens if he goes on a losing streak? Yes, early. Oh early. my God! What if they're and one it could and three? Early. Oh. It's a terrible early schedule. They could go one and three and make the play. And if they went one and three and still made the playoffs, would surprise me. But that's how hard their 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 opening their opening month is. Amazing. It's a good, good, good bunch of games because we don't know what's going to go on. I mean, it takes three weeks to have any real idea. Thank you, Chuck. It's 100%. Thank you, sir. Chuck Todd, boys and girls. And if we just gave you Chuck Todd, that'd be more than enough. But we give you more than Chuck Todd. We give you a monkey. See the monkey, he's scritch, scritch, scratching. Watching his iPad, smoking and laughing. Hanging with Bud Grant, tap, tap, tapping on his purple attack. Sing along, everybody. Going to the zoo, zoo, zoo. zoo, zoo. zoo. got the bikes by two. Sometimes two. he throws a poo, poo, And he's had too poo. much Johnny Walker blue. So this is interesting because Nigel's been in New York for a week and a half. Yes. And I don't know where Reginald is. I assumed he'd be at the zoo, but maybe he's not. Maybe he went up to watch the tennis. I don't know. What, what's Reginald doing and what is he like? Well, actually, he is up in New York City, um, but not to see the tennis. He had a book release party hosted by Harper Collins at PJ O'Rourke's last night. Okay. Um, yes, apparently he wrote a book. Uh, it's called Monkey Business about his lifetime in the, in the entertainment industry. 
Um, so it's not yeah. called too much monkey business. <laughs> no, it's not. But okay. it does have a nice picture of him and James Garner on the set of there the Rockford Files on the cover. And by the way, some very famous people at this party when I stopped by last night. Anna Wintour was there, Billy Joel, and Phil McConkie. So, you know, really just the, the brightest stars out there for him last night. Anna Wintour, a whole career in fashion. A god in fashion. She's a god. Yes. Okay. Uh, so the, fir- like? the first match we gave him was uh, Chicago uh, getting one. Uh, I'm sorry, giving one at home against Green Bay, and uh, Reginald pulled out an old photograph of what I believe was his grandfather Julius uh, having dinner with Al Capone. Oh boy, Chicago. Yes. Yeah. Apparently, Julius made his money as a bootlegger running molasses north of the border. There so you go. that's ties to Chicago. He'll take the Bears with that one. Um, the next match we gave him was San Francisco uh, giving two and a half uh, on the road at Pittsburgh. And this was a lovely photograph of him taking a, a, a hot air balloon ride with Juan Marichal, Willie Mays, and Grace Slick of Jefferson Airplane. So that tells me he's got ties to the San Francisco area. One makes take... you larger and one pill makes you small. <laughs> You're not yeah. a fan of that song, are you? No, White Rabbit, no. I, <laughs> no. Uh-uh. It's, it gets in your head and you can't get it out. It's not very, not very great. Exactly. They're, they're yes. a great band. Yes. Great band, but, you know, not, not, not that one. No. Yes. Uh, and the final match we gave him was, uh, of course, uh, the Washington football team at home, giving seven to the Cardinals. And uh, not surprisingly, he's going to agree with Chuck on this one. Um, and I know this because it was a picture of him at the Palm with Joe Jacoby, Calvin Muhammad, and Otis Wansley. So he's, he loves the Washington football team in this one. It's wonderful to have Reginald back on the show and have Chuck <laughs> back on the show and have Jeff and James back on the show. Just wonderful. All right, we will take a break. We will come back. Pablo Torre is launching his podcast today, or did he do it yesterday? It was yesterday, I believe. Launched his podcast yesterday. So we'll ask him about his podcast, you know, because he's my friend. We'll help him out once, not twice. Maybe you could ask him about cold (laughs) opens. Cold opens. I could ask him about cold (laughs) opens. That seems to be a big deal for me. All right, I'm Tony Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is our rabbi, Misha Ben David, with music for us that he sends all the time. His new band is called High Desert. They'll be appearing in Austin, Texas on October 14th at the Carousel Lounge. This is called Fine, Fine Day. Michael, if original musicians like the rabbi want to send in their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyCornizerShow.com. And this plays in Pablo Torre, and I love Pablo. And I'm so happy to work with Pablo on the PTI show. Never, ever going to be on his podcast. I don't do that, but I love Pablo. 
You started, this is your second day. You started yesterday. You launched yesterday. Do I have that correct? You do. And in, in fact, yes, I have documentary evidence that indicates that you will never appear on my show. Right. You made this very clear, but I want but I, every little to know, Tony, yes, that I, I somehow um, conned you into providing content for my show, which they I will did. only listen to, only get to listen to if they, you know, actually show up and, and help me by sending Violet to college by clicking on my podcast. Violet's going to go to Harvard. I don't think you have to worry about that. Um, I did ask me if I would <laughs> send you a voicemail and I sent you a voicemail. Yes, I did that. I have no you idea. Did? No, I mean, look, the, the issue with my show is, is the issue that has in fact been, um, absent from our conversation so far, which is its title. Well, I want to get to Pablo, that. Okay. All right. What, what, okay. That's the voicemail. What? Yes. <laughs> what is it called? What exactly is your show called? The show is called Pablo Torre Finds Out. And that what did I think it was called? You Pop- thought it was called Pablo Torre Has Out. Right, right. <laughs> then it was another, I suggested a great name for your show. Yeah, I, you, you, su- you suggested uh, Squeeze This with right. Pablo Torre. <laughs> I, just, I just thought that was a really good name. How did you, it, get, it, it, how did you get to the name you have? So I like squeeze this because perhaps <laughs> accidentally it makes me think of my mom's job, which is dermatologist. Yeah, she's a pimple popper, and I was yeah. like, "Well, there's a metaphor here that is deeper than maybe Tony realizes." Uh, the second thing is, I wanted to have a name that reflected my curiosities. Like, I wanted to have a show in which we sort of get to bleep around a little bit and find out the consequences, but also I wanted to do a show where I get to do journalism. I have original reporting on this show, Tony. That's a big ambition that I have, is to like actually use uh, the medium I have, the microphone, to find out some stuff in an authentic way. And in the process, if I sound like the protagonist of a weird children's book, even better. How often will you do this show? I'm going to do it three times a week, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. And, yeah, it feels a little bit like I'm hesitant to take any sort of a victory lap, even though I'm very proud of the first episode, because it kind of feels like, you, you know this, it kind of feels like you get tin foil around you, or whatever it is they give marathon runners, but then the race starts. And so I'm here for the long haul, man. Well, that's, yes, if you're going to do it three days a week, the, the, the show you just did is dead. It's dead. Leave it. <laughs> Leave it on the side well, of the road and go on to the next one. Yes? Yes, but I do want people to know that for my first episode, not only will you get an exclusive Tony Kornheiser voicemail, you also get me doing something that I could not do at ESPN or anywhere else, really, which is debut my show by humiliating my boss. And so my first episode, spoiler alert, is about Dan Levitard's interviews with Donald Trump interviews that have long been buried, interviews that I think most people forgot about, but I confronted Dan with in ways that were genuinely humiliating and also, dare I say, nuanced and vulnerable and smart, but also stupid. And so there is that before that officially goes away and dies forever in the, you know, content furnace. Do you have a video component? Is it, can you watch your show or is it only on audio? We have a YouTube channel that we put a lot of time into. I'm going to ask Nigel and Michael and everybody else to help you find it at some point. They think you might appreciate it. 
But yes, it's an actual digital YouTube show as well, every episode. Okay, so, so when you talk to Levitard, that's on television, or what I used to think of as television? Like, I can watch that? In short, yes. Okay, Absolutely. and did he sweat profusely? I mean, did he, <laughs> like, was there water dripping from him? I, I believe in the ways that there are terror alert scales. The Levitard sweat scale, I think, was broken during this interview. That's fabulous. I have never seen so much human humidity. That's great. That's just great. If you stand under Levitard, you get wet. It's just so wonderful. So who is, who is, who is in the room? Like, do you, you do this in a room? Where do you physically do this? And who is in there with you? Yeah, yeah. So I don't have a basement Empire uh, studio, but we have a studio that we built in New York City at the Meadowlark offices. Again, I feel kind of like a dog who's... Just, remember that dog they shot into space? Like, like I wonder if this is... Yeah, that was Laika the is space dog. Well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's what I feel for Dan Levitard. Like, he shot me into space, make a new show, right. build this new space shuttle studio. And right. so I'm in there with my producers. And so one of my producers, Ryan Cortez, another ride-home guy who also splits time with, with Levitard. Um, he's the voice at the top of the show with me, in which I welcome you into a, a club to now plagiarize the advice that I saw from you, a club that I hope anybody can join, even if they're a little intimidated at the beginning, that this Harvard a-hole maybe doesn't want my kind. I want all of your kind. <laughs> I could not be more desperate for your affection. Do you get paid by the click or something? Like, do you... Do you get paid by the amount of people who actually watch and listen to this. You should put, do you have regulars? You got this one guy. Do you have anybody else? Do you have anybody else sitting with you? Cause I think if it's on TV, even if it's on YouTube, which I guess is to Wilbon swears that that's actual TV, then you should put a dog in the room. You should get a dog I, like Chessie. Yes. Chessie, very often when we tape PTI, Chessie's laying down in the room. <laughs> it's lovely. You should get a dog. Do you have a dog? I, 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 I now should expense one. I should expense <laughs> a dog. And, and to answer your first question, because I appreciate how you recognize the, the, the utter desperation seeping through my, to my pores, like so yeah. much Levitard sweat. Right. Um, in short, yes. In short, yes. I'm in this world, Tony, where I'm trying to do like a magazine sensibility thing where I do smart but also stupid like journalistic projects. And yes, there will be people in every episode because I want to talk to people as a way of finding out about them and things they've done. And so it's not just me by myself like a psychopath staring into a camera unblinkingly, but also I should probably get a dog because, again, Violet's College Fund demands clicks. I think a dog is a good idea. Pablo really Tori finds out. You know, you know. I never I had you. a dog growing up, by the well, way. Well, so your parents actually... deprived you. That's because they were both doctors and they didn't understand dogs, and the dogs are dirty, but dogs are lovely. <laughs> I like the idea of Pablo Tori finds out. I won't even dwell on the fact that you went to Harvard. You're smarter than almost everybody. For you to find something out, that's sort of an upset, right? And you don't. Do you like people? Tony, what do you think? Tony, I, 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 love, I love people authentically, and every time I do PTI with you, I find out stuff, which is why I'm going to break you down eventually and have you come on my show. If no, only I'm not going to come about, on the show. 
how only to talk about Jim Steinman stories. Like every time we do PTI, I'm like, wait a minute, you went to high school with who? Yeah, and Jim you Steinman. saw him on on was it, what show did you see him? And you're like, that's Steinman. Like yeah. I just want to know more about your American music history. So Steinman and uh, we used to go to this uh, hamburger joint called Hamburger Local, which is about three or four blocks from Hewlett High School. I don't know what it is like now, but when I went to high school, you didn't have to stay in during lunch period. You know, there was no, nobody ever thought something bad would happen. So, you know, you walked outside, you went whenever you want for that lunch period. And we used to go to Hamburger Local every once in a while, um, me and Steinman. And he was like, he was really smart. Okay, did I think he'd become that? No. I mean, you never think somebody's going to become that, uh, particularly because the instruments he played in high school were the violin and the cello. I mean, I, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know he could play the piano. I didn't know any of those things. And he wasn't, like, he was not the guy that you would say is going to become a rock and roll star. You know, I thought he'd be successful. Well, who did you, you went to school, who were the famous people you went to high school and college with? Who were successful? Oh, I mean, look, in college, uh, Damien Chazelle, who directed Whiplash yeah. and La La Land and all that stuff, I was an extra in his first movie. Really? He had a black and white jazz movie. Shocker, he was into jazz. Uh, oh. he, was, he did a black and white jazz movie in which I was an extra in the background, just wearing a T-shirt that was incredibly anachronistic. I went back and watched it recently. I found this out about myself. My T-shirt was a logo T-shirt that just said in big block letters, unbelievable across the front. It was a white T-shirt. And so I'm in the background of a black and white jazz club with like a 90s unbelievable shirt. I right. should have been cut out of the film for that reason alone. Um, other people who I went to college with, I went to college with Tony, uh, beyond Mark Zuckerberg, who was, yeah, like dating my, uh, dorm mate, Priscilla Chan and got married to him. Like beyond Zuckerberg, Vivek Ramaswamy was my classmate who is the, uh, ghoul the guy running who is for president? Yeah. Yeah. That guy? yeah. 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 Tony, I was in a philosophy class section, a small group seminar with Vivek Ramaswamy who in college was also moonlighting as a libertarian rapper known as DeVake. <laughs> and so you can imagine uh, how unbelievably uh, unlikable I found him <laughs> when I was 18 years old. And only to watch him, he went to, he went to our 15-year reunion in May, okay? Vivek Ramaswamy shows up. This is when he's now just like dipping a toe into like cable news channel stuff. But he is at that point like a very successful uh, biopharma like investor or whatever. He shows up, parks a black SUV outside of the dorm hall where our reunion's happening, has his driver waiting there, and is taking meetings in the SUV outside the location. Really? And when I saw that, I was like, "Oh, this is this is this is this is right. This is this adds wow. up." Fifteen years later, yeah. that's better. The than, worst. Uh... The worst. Romy. What is that movie? Romy and Somebody's Reunion. It's such a good oh, movie. Oh, Romy and Michelle. It's such yeah. a good movie. Oh, so you know, so like if you called him up, he'd take your call, right? If you called him I today, mean, he'd take your I, if call. He listens, if he listens to the Tony Kornheiser show, I don't think he'd appreciate my description of him as the worst. <laughs> but uh, he is truly the worst. He's the kid who would raise his hand and lecture in like a big, again, Hogwarts-style lecture hall. We're taking a class called Justice. That's the name. It's a moral reasoning course. And there'd be a thing of like, you know, 
how do you make this decision if there's like a train track and like there's a, a trolley barreling towards someone who's tied up on a train track, but there's a switch and you can switch the train, but on the other side of the train tracks are like more people. And how do you make that call? And he would always raise his hand. And I, I, I'm not kidding. He, was, he would raise his hand in the shape of a V for Vivek. And he would speak in front of 500 kids, all of whom had the same thought, which is, I hope this person never runs for president. <laughs> Just, you must get such a kick out of seeing him on TV running for president. It's a lucid dream. It's really <laughs> a lucid dream. Like at the, other, the other high school thing that I had, I went to Regis High School in New York, is that um, cafeterias were a place where uh, kids at Regis and very academic all-scholarship, all-boys Catholic school would go. We would retreat because the dance was upstairs, the cafeteria was downstairs. You just talked to the same kids you talked with every day. You talked to zero girls. But in the cafeteria, sometimes there'd be a band. And so you'd go see your friend's band and you'd like, you know, do a substitute for actual social interaction. And I would go down there and one day one of my friend's bands had a new lead singer. And I was like, wow, this wildly attractive lead singer. Who is she? And it turned out her name was Stephanie Germanata. Oh. And I was like, wow, I'm never going to, like, this is, this is like, a, she's oh, talented, sure. is my oh, thought. Yeah. Oh. And, and then, like, three years later, I'm like, oh, that's Lady Gaga. Yeah, Great. yeah. Lady Gaga helped me go through puberty, Tony, is what I'm telling wow. you. Do you know that she lived upstairs in the floor above Oberman? Do you know that? <laughs> Oberman? Lady Gaga, yeah, when Oberman was living wherever he was living on Central Park West or whatever it was, he may still live there. She had the floor above him. Yeah, Lady yeah. Gaga. O she, Oberman once, oh, my God. No, Oberman once whispered that fact to me at the office in New York, the seaport. He also once whispered to me, I just sold a baseball card for $1 million <laughs> and then walked away. <laughs> I love Oberman. I do. A crazed, a crazed genius. A Keith legend. Oberman. So you, you were in a, it's pronounced Dominic Chazelle. Is that how it's pronounced? Or Chazelle? Damien, Damien Chazelle. Okay. So you were in, name. you were yes. an extra in one of his movies. How could you not get him to write you a line so you would get residuals? That's the important Great move. Point. You need a line. Yes, this, that's, uh, this that's is how what, I make this, money. I get checks literally for three cents from <laughs> movies where I had a line. Pablo Torre finds out how he should have been scamming Hollywood like Tony Kornheiser. It's, it's a great good. episode. Uh, yeah, good really luck is. with good luck with all of this junk. You know, I mean, thank you. Good thank luck you. With it. You're, my junk, hopefully, is junk that is in your image. The image of your, uh, this is getting very explicit, the image of your junk, Tony. So, so this you. is like, this is what Levitard says to me all the time. My, my radio shows, it's your radio show. You are the great influence, your radio show. But Levitard's making $100 million. And, you know, and I I'm to... drinking his sweat runoff. <laughs> That's <Yes>. funny. <laughs> all right, good luck. We'll talk soon, because you'll be on the show with me soon. All right, goodbye. Thank you, Tony. Pablo Torre. Pablo Torre finds out. We'll take a break. We will have email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's Mile High Country. 
Joe and Molly Chambers channeling their inner deliverance. It's lovely. <laughs> I like it. Nigel, you want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad, please? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. And thank you again, Michael, for going to pick those up. I'll just hot go bagels to today. Oh, hot bagels. Hot bagels. Oh. Hot bagels. Wonderful. Oh, that's exciting. Bethesdabagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. No hot bench. Hot bagels. That's good. Hot bench we don't need anymore. <laughs> we're, we're past hot bench. All righty, then. That'll do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, oh, the shark babe has such teeth, dear. And he shows them pearly white, just a jackknife as old Mac Heath, babe, and he keeps it out of sight. You know when that shark bites with his teeth, babe, scarlet billows start to spread. Fancy gloves, oh, where old, where's old Mac Heath, babe? So there's never, ever a trace of red. That's Bobby Darren. Um, that's a big breakthrough song, Mac the Knife, when everybody said babe at the end of a line because <laughs> Sinatra said babe at the end of a line. It was that simple. And I believe that is from the Three Penny Opera, but I could be wrong about no, that. Thanks. You are correct. Well, I knew I was, but I said I could be wrong. <laughs> Thanks to our guest today, Chuck Todd, Pablo Torre. Thanks to our sponsors today, ZipRecruiter, Grammarly. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. The so, weather might turn a little cooler this weekend, so if you're tackling so. the windy Delaware Memorial Bridge, you might need to wear your shacket, which you can find at johnnyo.com using TK Coffee One. I, I, I still haven't gotten through the second McConnell coffee to get to the um, Wegmans coffee. Oh, the Wegmans, that's right. I haven't when the Nats to. lose, do you go through uh, more or less coffee ice cream? It sort of depends on whether or not Chuck Todd is texting me back after I leave 11 messages. Have you tried voice to text? Patrick Corbin Day, one more time. This is from Robert S. Finkelstein. Who writes, I'm a loyal little of many years duration. I have a sister, Marcy, a retired university professor who hosts a two-hour radio show on WMNF-FM in Tampa on Saturday mornings. She recently conducted an on-air interview with none other than the great Dan Byrne, who later that day opened for Roger Daltrey. At a con I guess he's doing that a lot at a concert in Clearwater, Florida. The following verbatim colloquy occurred on air between my sister and Dan. Marcy. You've written a lot of songs for sports journalist, commentator, podcaster, Tony Kornheiser. Now, I didn't know much about Tony until my brother introduced me to his work. And when I told my brother I was going to interview, he said, oh, he's famous. He's on the Tony Kornheiser show. So tell me about this other world. I don't really know about it. Dan, for those who don't know who Tony Kornheiser is, well, he's mostly well known for doing PTI for the past 20 years with Mike Wilbon on ESPN every day for half an hour. And they yell at each other affectionately. And then Tony has his own podcast three times a week now. In each episode, he'll play a couple of songs that people send in as bumper music. I started sending in sports songs, actually, on the theme of the stuff they were talking about. And pretty soon they were playing them in full in the body of the show, which is a thrill. And when I sort of ran the course of my existing sports songs, I started writing songs about the show, about what they were talking about, about stuff that was going on. And so it's become kind of a thing. And the folks who are fans of the show are called Littles, and they're Marcy Nuts. Dan, yeah. And there's this thing they say to greet one another, La Cheeserie, which is this whole other thing. It refers to a small cheese counter in a big wine store in D.C. that they make fun of. I want to give a La Cheeserie to Bob, by the way. Marcy, oh, you got that, Bob? You owe me. 
After the interview ended, Dan gave my sister several CDs to forward to me, including both albums of songs from Mr. Tony. As you and your viewers on News Channel 8 can see, Dan autographed Volume 1 to Bob Lachiserie Dan Byrne. During a subsequent phone conversation, I tried explaining to Marcy why Dan prices each of these CDs at $13.72, but I don't think she really cared. <laughs> it's a lovely, crazy email with pictures. Um, okay, my name is Hugo Montecristo. I'm a longtime listener, and I am a composer, music director at Echo, a Cirque du Soleil show playing in Washington starting this Thursday. So that would be tomorrow, right? I wanted to give you two tickets to the premiere this Thursday, September 7th. Let me know if you're interested. In exchange, I would love to play golf. I'm a five. Played NCAA in Florida years ago, 51. Wow. like to play with you both, you and Michael, or one of you, since I have to be in Washington to work on the show Echo more at the end of September. If you can't play golf, I'll still give you the tickets. Well, we can play golf. Yeah, try and make that happen. Yeah, we can play and golf. And it looks like this will be playing uh, over at Tyson's. Is that where it is, Cirque du Soleil? Yes. I saw that once. It's fascinating. This the, is what, where they go up in the ropes? What they make their bodies do is unbelievable. These people are made out of liquid. It's literally <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, I, I, if you've never seen it, it's totally worth it. From Bob O'Connor in Charlestown, West Virginia. Dear bald old man. Years ago, my daughter was working at Citibank in Hagerstown, Maryland, as a phone operator in customer service. A man named Jimmy Buffett called, inquiring about a problem with his credit card account. My daughter asked, are you the real Jimmy Buffett? The man said, yes, I am. My daughter punched in his account number and replied to him, sir, I need to turn you over to my supervisor. The amount in your account far exceeds my authorization. He was indeed the real Jimmy Buffett. Thanks for having Greg Garcia on to talk about the great... Jimmy Buffett. I don't live in a Margaritaville, but I've taken my children, grandchildren many times to his restaurant near Severna Park, Maryland. I guess I didn't know he had one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is it called Margaritaville? I would assume that's the branding. From yes. Adam Borozon, or Borazon. I'm a millennial little living in Los Angeles, but originally from Kalamazoo, Michigan. Please tell Michael it's supposed to rain there tomorrow. I listened to the show this morning and wanted to send a note to thank you and Greg Garcia for the segment Remembering Jimmy Buffett. I work for Frank Marshall, one of Jimmy's best friends and producer of Escape to Margaritaville, also an executive producer of Mr. 3000. You're welcome, Tony, for the penny residual checks that I'm sure contribute <laughs> to paying for your children's cell phone bills and medical expenses Cigna refuses to cover. Jimmy had an office in our building, and while I only met him a couple of times and just in passing, Greg was telling the truth that the man oozed kindness and joy, always smiling, making you feel like a friend. Mr. Tony used the right, right, exact right word to describe what Jimmy's life created, an ethos. Jimmy created it and lived it. He wasn't the best musician or the greatest songwriter, although he was a good one. He was just the most fun person to be around and came out in his shows in his daily life. You know, this note is meant to say thank you. So it's really very nice from Adam. Thank you, Adam. From uh, Adam S. Haynes, another Adam. Thank you for having Garcia on your September 5th show. As a member of the Parrothead contingent who were loyal littles, the conversation meant the world to me. I realize the mortality of man more and more every single day, and though I am only 35 and not yet a man, I buried both of my parents and all but one of my grandparents, so I'm including in an ask to Michael that you get installed in a bubble. What is that, Michael? <laughs> just to protect you. Oh, just to, so that everything goes well. From Ed Butt. You seem utterly amazed that Jimmy Buffett drew fans so closely together that they would have a name for themselves, have their inside jokes, and would hang out together all over the world, even when they weren't listening to him perform. If only you could develop a following yeah. like that. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> From American Philadelphia. 
I love the palpable awkward tension on the podcast when Garcia differentiated Buffett from other celebrities by saying, and I quote, I know some people that they get a fan base and their fan base is not the kind of people they would hang out with. Huh? I wonder if he had anyone in mind. Um, From Ryan Sweeney in Columbus, Ohio. On Tuesday's show, you mentioned shooting 100 over the weekend. I just wanted to congratulate you for finally shooting your age. That's sort of funny. (laughs) Sort of like that. From Glenn Cherepovich. I hope I pronounced that correctly. After years wondering if any littles lived in Utah, I had my first lachiserie moment at last week's Florida-Utah game. Since I'm not a Florida-Utah fan, it was most certainly the highlight of the night for me. Tell Michael we had snow on Labor Day at a few ski resorts and eat at Kevin Brown. Wow. It's snow already. It's 98 degrees in Washington. Yeah, another record-setting snow. day. Yeah. From Henry Allain in San Juan Capistrano, California. Dear Dr. Tony, it was a revelation to find out you only drink orange Gatorade. That explains everything. Do, oh, do people not like orange? orange? Do people not like the orange? No, it's a classic. From Greg Wells in Why I'm Missing, Pennsylvania. I played the Maselum Springs Golf Club outside of Reading, Pennsylvania on Monday. Let me know when I should call into the show and give my hole-by-hole analysis and medical update. <laughs> when did my knee really start to hurt? It's exciting stuff. I played that. I was there. It was, I took an overnight trip with a bunch of guys from Rehoboth. Maybe we compare your front and back. You no. Know, uh, yeah. Well, the, <laughs> I was lousy the other day. Oh, from uh, Jared Ron, Rondinelli. It's me, Jared Rondinelli from Louisville, Kentucky. First time, long time. With all this talk of Chick-fil-A and their strange inclusion in places that are primarily open or busy on Sunday, I wanted to let you know of a time when they actually did open and serve food on Sunday. On December 17, 2017, a Sunday, the Chick-fil-A located in the Hartsfield-Jackson-Atlanta International Airport opened and began to make chicken sandwiches. This particular Sunday, a huge number of passengers were stranded due to a power failure in the airport. In response, the fast food restaurant chain opened to deliver free food. How's that for a deal? That's noble. It's noble. It's wonderful. Really P.S. I waited with bated breath on the September 5th pod when you were about to announce your only accepted flavor of Gatorade. Orange, orange, orange. I said aloud to no one but myself, and then you delivered. Good man. Um, from Tom. Tony, go out and get three things. A quart of orange Gatorade, a can of powdered orange Gatorade, a two-liter club soda, Chill it overnight. Drink the quart of Gatorade. Take one scoop of the powder. Put it in a large glass. I use a two-cup measuring cup. Pour in some club soda and mix it up. Pour that in the quart jar. Fill it up with club soda. Much cheaper, and the club soda gives it a tingle. Plus, the cold soda won't dissolve all the sugar, so that is an added bonus. The can of powder will make five gallons, so buy more club soda. What do you think of that? I wonder about mineral water because you need that salt content. But do you remember, you, so you never had this, uh, the vision of playing uh, youth sports where someone brings out Gatorade. It's not real Gatorade. It's the powder stuff no. that's not been mixed properly. No, I've never had that. Yeah. No, no. You just had a can of orange. Uh, from Carla Nuzzo, who signs as sign the mother of John Francis Meehan, Carla Nuzzo. In a family group text last week, my younger son replied to something with Time Flies. But then second-guessed his spelling and asked, is it time flies F-L-I-E-S or time flies F-L-Y-S? To which his older brother replied, I-D-K? Is that like... I don't know. Oh, I don't don't know. know. Who do you think I am, Louise Gluck? At which point I almost (laughs) choked. He's making a Louise Gluck reference? Were all those years of private school actually worth it? 
course not. No, when I asked, and as I should have asked, he told me this was yet another learning from Tony Kornheiser's show. Is throwing out the name of a Nobel laureate poet to burn your brother as good as truly understanding the differences between small and large curd cottage cheese or making you wise <laughs> to the wicked ways of large health insurers' benefits denial terms? It's hard to say, and why must we choose all of them and the many others he has passed on to our family are weirdly useful bits of information, or if not useful, then entertaining, which has its own utility. So I guess I'm here to thank you for your part in helping to shape my eldest son into an excellent dinner party conversationalist. We look forward to more. If you're on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. You know, they all get involved, and they all got their gear already, no, and so they're going to be all colored up in, uh, in the maroon and black. And no, you're an idiot. Psychopath running from the aftermath slides into the bath, reaching for soap. Big night on the town, see her come around. Look what Brenda's found, tell him that joke. He knows you're out there. He smells the night air. He gives the skin a push to overdrive. But he can't make contact Now we're even Even Steven Mad as hell Crisp as a brand new dollar bill Now we're even Sense of reason
trapped in the fields, hands on the electric wheel, let go, dreaming, never feeling the sting. Never took the time for you, trouble for the chosen few. Give us a ring. It's the one drop hidden cure. Hang the clothes behind the door. I'm searching for Celine. And her sister says she's mean. Now we're even. Even Stephen. Just like painted jungle heathen. Now we're even. Bent on revenge. Then it bends back again. Just notes between friends. Two laps to the end.
many things I would have said if I could In the end it wouldn't have done no good I just overstayed my welcome baby longer than I should So girl go put your leathers on We'll chop up some back rows and eat breakfast at dawn Before you know it, baby, I'm gonna be long gone, long gone. It's a fine, fine day. Don't you let it slip away. It's a fine, fine day. Won't you spend it? Won't you spend it? Won't you spend it? Won't you spend it? Won't you spend it with me? Won't you spend it with me? Oh, won't you spend it with me? Won't you spend it with me? Yeah, 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 baby. I'm so all about you, girl. You know it's true. <laughs>